Hello, and welcome to the Agri-Food Safety Produce Bites podcast, where we discuss all things produce safety and dive into the rules and regulations surrounding the Food Safety Modernization Act Produce Safety Rule. I am Gianna Costa. I am the Food Safety and Quality Assurance Manager here at Square Roots. I'm Phil Toko. I'm with Michigan State University Extension. I do produce safety across the state of Michigan. So, Gianna, I'm curious about uh, sort of your background. I mean, you mentioned you grew up in Long Island, and here's this city person who who decides to get into agriculture. And I'm curious to to hear sort of what led you to to square roots in the first place. Yes. Yeah, so, um, yes, I grew up in Long Island. I, I have lived in Queens uh, for about nine years now. Um, really growing up, I've always uh, admired the food industry. I always loved restaurants. My family always cooked all the time. Um, but my first job when I was 14 was an Italian family style restaurant. Um, then from there, I always worked in restaurants, whether that was a server um, or, you know, helped out with the uh, front of the house in one way or the other. And then after college, um, I landed a restaurant management position within a hotel in Long Island. And that kind of just jump-started my career uh, in the restaurant industry, which then led me to moving over to the catering side of things and uh, working with private events. But through that time, I, you know, it was quite a grind, right? Everyone in the restaurant industry knows that you really do sacrifice a lot. You work really hard, but you enjoy it. The rewards are fantastic. Uh, But I realized that it was a time that um, I needed to kind of just reevaluate. So I had a bit of a gap during that time, and I, I wanted to reflect and think about refocusing my career, but staying within food, that was very important for me. Um, And I saw uh, a few years before that, when I was still in the hotel, I saw this schematic. It was so futuristic. It was of a New York City skyscraper that, you know, every level turned to capture the sun and it was an indoor farm and it, you know, really captured how or what our future might look like when it comes to growing food. Um, And I just couldn't get that out of my head. So I took it upon myself to really learn what it meant to grow indoors, uh, what the different growing styles were. I took a few courses on my own. And then, you know, I had to get my foot in the door. I had no agriculture experience. So Square Roots at the time offered a, a year apprenticeship Uh, where you could kind of learn for a full year. And um, then from there, I actually was promoted to um, a senior apprentice grower who would train the next incoming cohort. And from there, then an assistant farm manager. Um, And then, you know, I saw an opportunity within the company uh, where we, we needed to, you know, really bring our food safety up to the next level. And I had experience working in the restaurants. So... Um, I made this position and asked the company if they would trust me to lead it, and they did. And so now um, I started at Square Roots in 2019, um, and now I am the food safety quality assurance manager for the company. I have to say that some of the best food safety folks in agriculture that, that I've known have come from the restaurant industry. You have a keen sense from restaurant, uh, a keen sense that 
what you're growing and what you're preparing is is food and it it doesn't get mistaken for anything else which tends to to bring a level of care and a level of of food safety culture so i'm curious um what is controlled agriculture for those folks? Some folks that might be listening may not have a real good sense of what indoor growing is. And I'm curious if you could um, explain a little bit about what happens at Square Roots in terms of how do you grow stuff? Definitely. So you may hear the acronym CEA a lot. That's Controlled Environmental Agriculture, Mm -hmm. or we like to say just indoor ag. Um, So that's essentially when you control the environment in which you grow. Um, You know, this doesn't mean you have to control every aspect of the environment. You could think of a greenhouse. The greenhouse is controlled, but it also utilizes natural light. For square roots, that is quite different. We control every aspect of our growing facility and of our farms. So our farm is actually made up of a a bunch of smaller farms, which we call modular grow zones. Um, And within those grow zones, we control our light source. So we use high efficiency LEDs. We have injection systems for our fertilizers. We rely on our HVAC systems to control our humidity, our temperature, and really help control the climate. And so these metrics within those grow zones are monitored daily. We have a proprietary software system called the Tool Belt, which every farmer and farm management team and really everyone within the company has access to. And we monitor all of these metrics essentially every second of every day. And then from that information, we take that and the operators have the ability to, you know, understand how the farm is working, making sure we're hitting our targets. And we could also monitor that remotely. And so that leads to, you know, by growing this way, we do have a smaller footprint, uh, but we essentially grow each of our, whether it's microgreens, our herbs, which we grow basil, cilantro, uh, dill, and parsley. And we have the ability to kind of speed up that growing cycle. And so usually our growth cycle is, you know, 28 to 30 days, depending on the, um, even less with microgreens. So it is depending on the crop. Um, and then from there, you know, we, we come out with a really great quality product. That That's really interesting. I want to make sure I understand so it sounds like you've got sort of a central hub and there are a lot of other operations that are linked to that hub. Is that Would that be a fair way to, to sort of uh, present that? So you essentially have a head house where okay. most of your production tasks happen. And then from that head house, you have shipping containers. They're actually... Um, they're actually upcycled shipping containers, which is what we are calling our grow zones. They are retrofitted with this technology and our growing systems. But so in in one farm, you could have 20 of those or more. Um, And it it leads to your, your head house, but yes. So do each of those shipping containers or each of those grow zones, are they managed by somebody different or are they all managed by that head house? Not necessarily. So it's it's all, all the grow zone and the head house is managed by the farm team. So that consists of your farm management team. Within your farm management team, you also have a facilities 
team. Um, and then you have your growers. So we have our farmers. Um, so they, they go from apprentice growers to associate growers to senior associate growers. And um, everyone is versed really in every production task that needs to be had throughout the day. That sounds like a tremendous number of people that are involved in the growing and the harvesting of, of the crops that you guys grow. Um, I'm curious, how do you um, build a culture of food safety among every one of those folks? Because every one of those folks has responsibility individually for food safety. So how do you, how do you build the culture of food safety in every one of those folks? Definitely. I think that's such an important concept to really hone in on, and especially as a startup company, right? So it does start with interviews for us. Uh, We've made it a point to ask food safety-based questions in our interviews to really help give some context into the job scope and and ensuring that it's an important part of of the understanding of those uh, job scopes on campus. And then from that first, once you start to get onboarded, then it's all about training from there, uh, ensuring there's proper onboarding training, annual training, cyclical trainings as new processes or methods are implemented. So the first step I've taken is like, hey, this training shouldn't actually just be for our farmers, right? If, if we're trying to create a culture, then actually it should be for everyone, uh, which, you know, it doesn't matter what your job title is. It's actually important that every Square Roots employee uh, kind of understands what our standards on site for growing this really great quality food that we're selling is. And so that's also important from my as- aspect to just make sure that everyone is knowledgeable about our standards and are trained on those standards, and then I try to think kind of calming it, bringing it all together is like, how do we stay consistent? How do we adapt it? Once again, we're a startup. So we're, you know, always iterating quickly. We're thinking about the next new, better thing. Uh, so ensuring we're thoughtful when considering those operational decisions and, and really trying to implement food safety. Uh, maybe that comes in with infrastructural improvements and further considering like how we need to create preventive measures around maintaining the facility. Those things have direct impacts on food safety. And then we really rely, like I mentioned before, on our software. So creating those dynamic tools for record keeping and documentation which, you know, when somebody is recording a task or a risk assessment, you know, they shouldn't have to think about it. They should just be able to know that it's next in line during their production task. And then the last thing is, like, how do we measure this? I think the industry is really, you know, trying to understand how we quantify uh, food safety culture, right? And so I think for us, that has a lot to do with an, our internal external audit success, right? And being really transparent with those takeaways. Um, and then I think it's just with farmer feedback, right? Like listening to the farmers, supporting the farmers, any feedback or issues or constraints, taking those and trying to find solutions. That's, that's really amazing. I'm curious um, really where the safety hazards are in your operation that you've identified and maybe how you mitigate those hazards. Yes. Yeah, so I think, um, you know, as as all farms, I think something that we're learning now is that indoor farming or agriculture just has different hazards, right? 
But we are a producer of leafy greens, herbs, microgreens. So we know our risks are high because, you know, the inevitable truth is that we're growing food with the intention of being consumed raw. Right. So there's no kill step there. So we have to always be aware of that. We actually have the advantage as opposed to like field growers, because we can pretty confidently avoid animals or contamination from animals or irrigation. Uh, But with that said, I like to think of our hazards, um, not so much as like hazards, but constraints that we tend to see in maybe, you know, facility designs or infrastructure, you know, what materials are we using, which helps enable reducing those risks. So there are different. We grow 24 seven, 365 days a year. We create that optimal environment. So we need to avoid the pathogens who also love to thrive in those optimum environments. But I think that sanitary design is something I've been thinking a lot about. So how do we prioritize that um, for indoor growing and being able to clean properly? So we've had a, a few design challenges in the past, but I think that you know, as we're continuously working to improve, and I could almost confidently say we're probably not the only ones facing those challenges since indoor agriculture is quite new. Um, when I try to assess our hazards, I think, what does this mean for square roots? So, right, further enabling your biosecurity measures is really important to reduce hazards. Um, how do we increase, increase maybe the amount of centralized drains we have? Also considering flooring, base coving throughout. And then I think a big part of reducing our hazards are our flows. Every production task within our facilities occurs simultaneously. So it's really important that when you're washing something in one area or you're harvesting something in the other area and you're seeding something in the next, you're reducing cross-contamination. Is it a linear flow? Is it a circular flow? I mean, I, I really enjoy thinking about these things, but we really are proactively now trying to think crucially like in advance of how people and equipment will flow during each production task, which is, is really imperative to the success of our farm and our yield. So that comes into lean uh, methods for cleaning our automation equipment, or maybe that, you know, also we take all of these processes that I, or, or considerations I just mentioned, um, and all of these actions combined, you know, can either um, enable hazards or reduce hazards. And obviously our goal is to reduce them. So prevent pests. Those are all things that we need to do on design front. And then food safety and farm design, they just go hand in hand. So when we build a new farm, we think about the food safety from day one, and then we continuously reduce those niche harborage points, right, or crevices within the farm. And then to that point, I think we speak about farms, uh, which might be a little bit confusing to the, the average person when a lot of times, at least from my perspective, um, it's been helpful to really look at our farm more along processing lines. So a processing facility uh, and, and looking at those standards have, have really helped us know, you know, what what our internal standards should be. So, so it sounds like the first step you said was biosecurity, which is basically keeping it out in the first place. And then 
then reducing those niches and those and those harborage points. So basically, not giving it any place to to set up shop and continue to potentially cause problems. And then the third step you you mentioned was the product flow. So making sure that if it's in the system, it's going out of the system. Same thing with your centralized drains. Making sure that it's all going out and away from the product instead of back into the product. Yes. So yes. It's cool. really neat. Um, and then um, I'm curious, you, you mentioned the, the microbiological pests, but I'm curious if you have any other um, pests that you deal with. Obviously, in, inside, you don't have birds and, and other critters living in, your, in the greens and whatnot. But are there any you know, diseases or pests or anything that you, that you wrestle with? Yeah, so I think um, we do. You know, sometimes I think our one pest, which I'm sure a lot of people know, are thrips. Those guys can get into any any place. Um, they, all it takes is for one little guy to be on your on your person as you walk through, and hopefully that's where you know the, your biosecurity measures come in. Um, but not at the level you would expect or compare to like traditional field farming. But with that said, we have to really reduce um, any any type of pest from coming in because, as mentioned before, we provide this optimal environment. So whereas you may get a pest outside, but then it gets really hot or maybe it pours and like maybe that kind of limits the amount of pests that we're able to reproduce, that never happens for us. So if, if you do get a pest, you want to make sure that you catch it quickly so that you could really mitigate it. Otherwise, they have the opportunity to produce quite rapidly. But we do take a lot of measures to really try to reduce that. So biosecurity is definitely, you know, the biggest part of it. So how um, are we taking in air into our facilities? Uh, and when we take that air in, making sure we'll we're able to filter it so that the tiniest of pests can't, you know, sneak through. Um, from there, that kind of also plays into our IPM or Integrated Pest Management Program. So we're able to really refine it specific, specific to our growing. Um, and it's, it's also just an ever-evolving conversation. So indoor ag is new. Um, we're all learning what that means for us. So we're always trying to assess, okay, what's a, a new beneficial um, bug that we can bring in um, that we know will help mitigate any kind of pest that might come in. Um, but going back to biosecurity, I mean, it doesn't just stop with how we change our or we put on uniforms or we change our boots or we have air curtains, right? It also has a lot to do with your inputs. So I think a lot about the materials that we bring to the farm. Usually, you know, they have a few lives before they get to us. Maybe they're on a few trucks before us. Maybe our, you know, growing media has uh, been in a few different states. So it's really important that you're visually checking all of that, right? And you're doing a really good job visually checking just the boxes. But then when you open the boxes, you're looking to see if anything's going to come in from there. And so we're constantly evaluating um, how to better prevent um, and we use, you know, just your, your average good IPM practices, your sticky traps. Uh, we do use those in our farms uh, to, to kind of visually see, you know, are there pests? Are there beneficials? How are we doing? It definitely goes back to cleaning and sanitizing, right? Like if you have a clean farm, 
most likely your farm is is not going to be able to have hot spots. You're not going to grow hot spots easily. Um, and then if anything does occur, we do have reactive measures that we put in place if needed, you know, because we grow modularly, we have the ability or the advantage to take one farm offline if needed, um, you know, where it doesn't affect all of our other farms. So that's where we would give it a deeper clean. Um, it's a rare occurrence, but it does happen. Um, and if, if we do that, you know, it's, it's a very reactive base measure, but, um, Really, it's just implementing many different things that hopefully add up to the successful uh, mitigation of, of these pests. Cool. Cool. So now I have one last question for you. Sure. What is your favorite product that you guys grow and what do you put it in? What do you use it in? Okay. I mean, that's pretty easy for me. Um, I come from uh, Italian uh, family background, basil, um, you know, is used everything. We usually grow our own basil all the time, but now I have the ability to grab basil from um, the farms and I use it in everything. But I, I, I mean, I just can't rave about our products enough. It's, I'm very proud about the growing processes and the quality of our Product. And I mean, being a farmer uh, here at 1.2, you know, I know the work that goes into it from the farm team. So it really comes down to the farmers and farm management teams and, uh, you know, really uh, giving thanks back to all their hard work, because that's really how we how we keep moving forward. Thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it today. Of course. Thank you for having me. Links to anything referenced in this episode are provided in our show notes, which can be accessed on the website at canr.msu.edu slash agrifood underscore safety. Thank you to everyone for listening, and don't forget to tune in next month for another episode of our Produce Bites podcast.